Well, good morning to you. This is a very special day. Isn't this a marvelous day? If it wasn't for this day, none of us would be here. That's how important this day is to us. This is Mother's Day. Mother's Day. So we want to share together this morning a little bit with regard to mothers, and especially we would like to we would like to talk to mothers. We'd like to share a few thoughts this morning with mothers because of the very special nature of this day. Some of us, our mothers, are still here with us, and we're so thankful for it. Some of us, our mothers, have gone ahead of us. And we have the most uh, certain hope and confidence that we will see our mothers who are in Christ Jesus, who have gone ahead of us, that we will see them again. There's a temporary interruption, but we will see them again. But we are so thankful for them this morning. Could we, uh, perhaps, I'm going to ask you to share with me in a few moments in Second Timothy chapter 1. So if you follow in your Bible, you might like to open your Bible to Second Timothy chapter 1. There's a couple of things with regards to our mothers that we need to say as we begin this morning, and that is that we owe our existence. We owe our existence to our mothers. We state the obvious. Our mother, of course, is the very person with whom we began. And our mother is the second person to have ever known us. Our mother is the second person to have, to have ever known us, to sense our presence. And to begin a dialogue with us and talk to us. And modify her behavior and her lifestyle and her eating habits and all different things to accommodate us. But when I say that our mother is the second person to have known us, the first person, of course, to have known us is God, our Father in heaven. I'm going to share something with you this morning that I do not fully comprehend, nor do you, but I have observed that I can conceptualize things even though I cannot fully understand them or comprehend them. And I think that's a very important point. I don't want to get too deep in this, but... This is something that we all are familiar with. For example, I can conceptualize the concept that is taught by Scripture that God, our Heavenly Father, has known us before we were, before we ever began in our mother's womb. That we were foreknown. Now I can conceptualize that. I can understand the concept of that. Since we are a spiritual being and God is without time, outside of time and space, and knows the end from from the beginning. And the future is as clear to him as the past. In fact, in God, there is no such thing as future and past. So I can conceptualize that, but I can't understand it. I can't fully comprehend it, nor can you. And so I say that with confidence this morning, that our mother is the second person to have known us, the first person being God, our Father. Now, in Second Timothy chapter 1, I come to the final letter that we have recorded written by the Apostle Paul. Uh, as you know, the life of the Apostle Paul was one that knew a great deal of hardship and difficulty, and yet he knew the great joy from within of the revelation of the new covenant. And he, perhaps more than other, any other single person, was given the ability to reveal or disclose the fullness of the new covenant. And before he was martyred for the cause of Christ, he wrote a letter, final letter to Timothy. 
He referred to Timothy as a son in Christ Jesus or a son in the gospel. And it was because through the ministry of Paul that Timothy himself came into a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ or a fuller revelation of Messiah Jesus. This happened in a place called Lystra in about the year, somewhere around the year A.D. 50. So if we think of Jesus having died on the cross and ascended somewhere around the year 33 A.D., we are talking about something like 17 years after that that Paul and his missionary journey went to a place in Lystra. And Lystra is in what we call today modern-day Turkey. And when he arrived in Lystra to proclaim the gospel, he, among other people and residents there, he met a family. He met a grandmother, a mother, and a son. A grandmother, a mother, and a son. And he discovered very early on that in the life of the grandmother and the mother, there's a most wonderful and profound thing, and that is that they had a unfeigned faith, genuine faith, a profound faith, sincere faith. <clears throat> now, when when you read, if if you if you try to find information about the grandmother's name was Lois, and the mother's name was Eunice, and these are not Hebrew names, although we have reason to believe that they were Jewish women. But they didn't have Hebrew names, meaning they were born within the Greek culture, but yet they were Jewish women. Timothy's mother, Eunice, was a Jewess. And yet the apostle, as he writes to second in, in this letter to Timothy, he talks about this unfeigned, genuine, sincere faith that he observed first residing in the grandmother Lois, first in the grandmother Lois, and then also in the mother Eunice. And then he says, and I perceive the same faith is in you as well. And so there is this continuity of this unfeigned faith. Now, let me just read this again, beginning in chapter 1 and verse 3. I thank God whom I serve with a clear conscience as my ancestors did when I constantly remember you in my prayers night and day. Remembering your tears, I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. Clearly recalling your sincere faith that first lived in your grandmother Lois, then in your mother Eunice, and that I am convinced is also in you. And so I'd like to share a little bit with you this morning in terms of, well, how did this kind of faith then come into the life of first of Lois and then her daughter Eunice? Now, The Apostle Paul, of course, arrived uh, to proclaim the gospel to them, which is the revelation of Messiah, that Jesus is Messiah. And again, around the year A.D. 50, but these women were raised in the Jewish faith. They were raised with the Old Testament scriptures. Very important that we understand that the author of the Old Testament scriptures is also the author of the New Testament scriptures. The primary author of the Old Testament is God, the Holy Spirit using human beings as agents. The primary author of the New Testament is God, the Holy Spirit, using human beings as agents and witnesses of certain events as agents, but anointing them in a way that what they write is not just a product product of their own hands and memory, but it is the inspired revelation from God 
the Holy Spirit. So therefore, if one would hear and be raised in the Old Testament scriptures or the scriptures of the Old Covenant, they then would be introduced to the letter of the word. But beyond that, they could also be introduced to the author of the word itself, none other than the person of God, the Holy Spirit. Now, as Paul writes about faith and Bible faith and how faith comes, he says that faith comes by hearing the word. Therefore, if you were raised in the Old Testament era and listened to the word of the Old Testament scriptures and received not just the letter of it, but also the spirit that produced it, then you could enter into Bible faith, even though your understanding of the fullness of the new covenant would be very incomplete. Could you have any understanding at all about the new covenant just from the Old Testament? Yes, you could. But not a full understanding. But you could have a sufficient understanding and revelation of the word and the spirit who authored that word so that you could actually be in possession of an unfeigned, genuine faith. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. It is my opinion And we don't have a lot of information about Lois, nor do we have a lot of information about Eunice. But it is my opinion that they, those two ladies, had that kind of faith before the Apostle Paul came to their their city in Lystra. The scripture teaches that the Word, the Word lives and abides forever. The Word lives and abides forever. Scripture also tells us that the Word became flesh and lived among us. Now, in this passage written by John, he's talking about Messiah Jesus and Jesus being the Word made flesh. But he is communicating the idea that the Word exists before the Word is made flesh. Now, this is also true about the truth of the Word existing before it is written. Now, we have... 66 books in our Bible, Old and New Testament, Old and New Covenant. And we rightly describe this as the Word of God. But this is the written Word of God. But behind the words and the letters and the marks on the paper, without regard to the language in which it is written, is the Word, unseen, existing before this was manifest existing before Messiah Jesus was born. He is a manifestation of the Word that has existed eternally. This is the written record of the Word. It is this spirit behind this that Lois, the grandmother, and Eunice, the mother, knew and fellowshiped with and fellowshiped in. E.W. Tozer wrote a fa- uh, he wrote many marvelous things. I know he's one of your favorite authors, Wayne, among so many individuals who regard E.W. Tozer. He was a brilliant writer. He said in one particular subject of his writing was uh, spirit taught or Bible taught. Spirit taught or Bible taught. Now think about this with me. And this is the message I believe that we have and is for the mothers today. Before I enlarge upon A.W. Tozer's commentary on the subject of spirit-taught or Bible-taught, I know many of you are young mothers 
some of you are older mothers, many are younger mothers. And this is happening now. It's, uh, it's an epidemic. It's an epidemic. <laughs> it's an explosion of the arrival of new lives. And it's so wonderful and marvelous. And those of you who are mothers who love your children, of course, but love the Lord Jesus and desire to raise your little ones in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. And you begin to teach them Bible stories and you teach them the stories of the Old Testament, David and Goliath and all the different stories of the Old Testament you'll teach them. You'll teach them about Jesus, the New Testament. You'll teach them the parables. You'll teach them all these things. It's so wonderful that you do that. And they're very eager learners, aren't they? Very eager learners and they're very intelligent and keen learners. And it amazes us with their ability to retain in such an innocent way to be able to comprehend these things. And I said begin to begin, see, we can comprehend things that even though we do not yet fully understand them, we have an ability to conceptualize them. These little ones have this right as they arrive. They have this unfettered ability to absorb things that amaze us that the greatest intellects in the world struggle over. They do not. Think about that. They do not struggle over the things that the so-called greatest intellects in the world struggle and strain over. And so you have these little ones arriving in your arms and in your home and in your hearts. And mothers, in a very special way, introduce them into the world to all of us. And they abide within their mother for a long period of time before we all get to know them. And the mother knows them in a very intuitive kind of way, in a special way before we all do. And so you want to teach them. You want to raise them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. And so you teach them all these. But let me say to you, it's very important to understand this, that you can Bible teach them or you can instruct them in the Bible. And that's good. And that's wonderful. And there's no substitute for it. But they must not be just Bible taught. They must be spirit taught. They must know the author of the Bible. They must know the one who inspired the text. And the best way for them to be introduced to the one who inspired the text, the way for them to be introduced to God the Holy Spirit the earliest possible times in their lives is through you, mom, the mother, through you. You say, well, it's not just me. They can be introduced through their father and through others. Yes, they can. But there will be ne- there'll never be a substitute for you in the lives of your children. And they will come to know the presence of God, the Holy Spirit, through you in a way in which they are not designed to come to know through any other human being. It's a great thing. It's just a wonderful thing. But it is the provision for you and your children. So while you instruct them and while you teach them all these things and try to instill in them a sense of manners and propriety and rightness with regard to the Lord and his word and the scriptures and the Bible stories and the summer camps and all of these things that they will have an opportunity to receive and experience, remember this, that Timothy was exposed to all these things too. Because Timothy was exposed to his grandmother and to his mother. I should say his mother and his grandmother. And they instilled in him 
And he was raised in their presence. And they had an unfeigned, genuine faith. Don't struggle too much about the idea that even in the Old Testament, they could have an unfeigned faith because they could. Please understand that it is to be completed by the revelation of the new covenant. But there came a time in Timothy's life, a very young man, there came a time in Timothy's life where he needed to meet the author of the text, the author of the stories, the author of the word. And he could, you see, there's such a thing as your children coming to know the presence of the Holy Spirit through your life, which is wonderful. I came to know the presence of the Holy Spirit through the life of my mother, my father also, but this is Mother's Day. I came to know the presence of God, the Holy Spirit, in a significant way through the life of my mother. But I did not come to know Jesus as my Lord and Savior just through the influence of my mother. And Timothy did not come to know the Lord Jesus Christ, the full revelation of the new covenant, just through the lives of his mother and grandmother. But the faith, the presence of that genuine faith that he was raised in, was essential to him when he heard the declaration of the new covenant from the mouth and the voice of the Apostle Paul. And so he needed to be born again. He needed to be born again. And your little ones need to be born again as well. And it's not enough. It's not okay just to raise them in a religious environment. That's okay. That's wonderful. But that's insufficient. That's insufficient. They need something within themselves that is their own. It's not something they just get from you. They need something that is their own. They need to know not just Jesus through your life. They need to know Jesus himself. And this is the entire explanation for being born again and what it means to be born from above. When Paul came to Lystra, he came to to Lystra with his wonderful calling on his life, his tremendous anointing and the leading of the Lord in the preparation for the revelation of the new covenant. And Timothy, as a very young man now, is in the presence of him as he teaches and preaches and proclaims the gospel. Timothy has been prepared now. He has been prepared. And that's what you will do with your children is you'll prepare them. You're going to prepare them. You're going to equip them as much as you possibly can by your example. And oh, it must be that you live in the presence of the Lord yourself. You must live in the presence of the Lord yourself. You must not be worldly in your spirit. You must be a person of the word in your spirit. You must commune with the Lord. My mother did never, she never ever said to us at any time, listen, my sons, I'm going to pray and I want you to listen to me pray. She never said that to us. But she would pray. And when she prayed, it was never just words that she spoke. Her prayer was always a communication, a communion, a fellowship. I have memories that will never fade of working a quarter of a mile away from our home. And my mother believing that she had the house to herself and the home all to herself and going into a private place within the home, not too far from here. And it was a very still day. And suddenly, working a quarter of a mile to a half a mile away from the home, 
you could hear a voice. You could hear a sound. The sound was a voice. The sound was somebody speaking. The sound was somebody praying. And as you listened, you knew you were on holy ground. You didn't know if you should continue to listen or if you should not continue to listen. You felt as if you were eavesdropping into a conversation, but you could hear her because the fervency, even though she felt she was very much alone, and it entered into her closet alone. The closet did not have soundproof walls. And the sound of her prayer. I want to tell you, it wasn't just the words of her prayer, but it was the spirit of it all. The spirit of it. I don't remember the words. I do not remember the words. But I remember the spirit of it. I remember the intensity of it. I remember the earnestness of it. Now, did you? If you asked me, did you say? If if you said to me, did did that have an impact upon your life? What kind of influence did that have upon you? I say profound, profound influence on me. Absolutely profound. I could talk to you for hours about, but you know what it could not do for me. It could not bring me into a new birth. It could be used to convict me of my sin. It could be used in a, very, in a number of ways. And I knew the reality of God, the Holy Spirit, who offered the Word. But it could not give me life from above. And nor did the influence of Lois and Eunice give Timothy life from above. It required the coming of the evangelist into his life. It required the anointed preaching of the gospel, the hearing of the gospel with his own ears and his own spirit. And reaching out with the faith that he'd already been equipped and prepared in because he had lived in the influence of that faith all his life. To reach out and receive it with that faith that comes by hearing. And he is hearing now and he reaches out in faith and receives it and makes it his own. And he becomes a new creation in Christ Jesus. And this must happen with your little children, your little sons and your little daughters whom you love. And so the message this morning would be to be encouraged by this. Continue to live in your communion with the Lord yourself. That it would be vibrant and alive and not just the letter, not just the letter of the word, but the spirit of it. I have a little note in front of me that says, uh, when Paul comes, when Paul comes. You see, in the plan of God for Timothy, it was this marvelous moment in time when Paul comes. Paul, the evangelist, the great apostle, when he comes, he will proclaim a message that will affect the life of Timothy in a way that nothing he has heard until now affects him. And this is the same provision for your little one. Name your little one in your own memory and thoughts right now and say, in God's plan for my son, my daughter, name them to yourself. There is a moment in time when it will be the equivalent to them as when Paul comes. In the meantime, I will by my life and example introduce them to the presence of not only the word, written word, but also the living word and the one who authored these wonderful words. I want to share something with you this morning. We're not going to 
share a long time today. The message is simple. I believe it's very profound and meaningful. I'd like to share something with you that was written on the occasion of my mother and father's 25th wedding anniversary. It's a little bit faded, so I must have the enhancement here to read it. It's not faded in my memory at all. It's just faded on the page. We all assembled on the occasion of their 25th wedding anniversary, which was in 1963. On the night that we assembled, on that uh, 3rd of February, 1963, it was my father's 45th birthday. My mother had already reached her 45th birthday. Pat and I were there. We would uh, marry just a few months after this, in that year. Mom and Dad would celebrate 72 of these anniversaries. This was number 25. My brother John, who was raised actually for the ministry, he was raised, he was called, and he was raised. There, uh, there were hindrances, of course, that prevented him from actually fulfilling the calling that was on his life. And he was some distance away from home, was not able to attend, and so he sent, his, uh, he sent an epistle, he sent a letter. He's a very gifted writer. He was a gifted thinker. He was gifted in many ways. And I'll read to you this, uh, this morning just a couple of things, a few things, little excerpts from his letter on this occasion. He starts off to Grandmother Campbell, Grandmother Hodden, and all the aunts and uncles. And then he said, But just as the testing of the winds make a lonely tree become stronger, the tests of time have served to strengthen the unity and bond which has fastened together one of the most honorable marriages that I can conceive of. Remember, John's 24 years old, as he writes. He says, I think that we can safely say that this one marriage will find its final fulfillment in the words of that marriage vow which says, until death us do part. It is the conviction in my heart that this marriage was ordained of God that prompts me to say that no breakup between dad and mom will ever be imminent this side of eternity. You see, he said this with such confidence. Why did he say this? He said it with such absolute confidence. You know, one of those reasons why he said it with such confidence is that he knew my dad was an honorable man. And he knew the spirituality and the deep devotion and the genuine, unfeigned faith of my mother. They both. This is Mother's Day. We don't want to forget about fathers, but this is Mother's Day. But he was raised from the very beginning. And his habitation, first since the moment he was conceived, his habitation was within his mother. I could talk to you about different things that I've been told about those early months even of that pregnancy and she brought him forth into the world at the beginning of winter time. But he was raised in that environment and atmosphere. And then he said, 
And it is for this reason that I say that if we three boys ever amount to the proverbial hill of beans, it will be owing to the faithfulness of this couple to each other, to God, and to the principles of Holy Scripture. The folks probably lived a normal type of life for the first few years of their marriage. Dad riding around on his two-wheeled terror. He used to ride a motorcycle around. So he says, Dad riding around on his two-wheeled terror and Mom cuckooing to her firstborn in a beaten shanty at the untraveled end of the K-Line. Some of you know where that is. He continues, but one day, the seriousness of life gripped them as they faced the future and their responsibility to God and to their family. Though mother was the first to make that serious step, though mother was the first to make that serious step, oftentimes that's the case. Not always, but oftentimes that is the case. But he continues, Though mother was the first to make that serious step which has made her the woman she is today, may I say that dad was and is an honest man. And very soon they took the way together. It seemed hard at the time. Looking back today, they will attest to the fact that their decision to obey the kind, the mind of their creator in raising their family was the right one to, to do. Then he says a few other things that I'll not read to you today. But he closes with these words. Much of this is written in the old typewriters, but some of it, of course, he closes with his own hand. Congratulations to you, Mother. Congratulations to you, Mother. And may God reward you for your prayerful life of obedience and dedicated service. Let me read that again. And I wonder if over this span of time and distance, the 24-year-old young man, John, could perhaps share this to you mothers today. He's talking to his own mother. But let me just use his words to share this with you. Congratulations to you, mother, and may God reward you for your prayerful life of dedicated service. Good night, and may God bless you all. John, the eldest, it is signed. Now, let me close with a couple of things. The Apostle Paul would write to Timothy, and a number of things he would say to this young Timothy who who had become this wonderful anointed servant of the Lord. And how did he become that? He became that, of course, because he embraced the word in his spirit because of this unfeigned faith that he possessed. And Paul would write to him and he would say to him, don't let anybody despise your youth because Timothy was young, but Timothy was called to leadership within the Christian assemblies. And he, had, he encouraged him and said, don't let anyone despise the fact that you're young. Don't let your youth intimidate you. Don't shrink back from service because you're young. You're not experienced in years. It is not your experience that qualifies you. It is the gift and the calling of the Lord that qualifies you. This is something we all need to hear. Then he would say these words, which we have already read. And this is a testimony as I read them, and I'll close with these words, 
This is a testimony to the kind of life that this young man had, the kind of heart he had, the kind of calling on his life, the kind of the, the way you could sense the presence of the Lord as you were with him. And Paul said this, I long, and remember this is the final letter that we have any record of Paul having written. And he said, I long to see you. I long to see you. I just long to see you. These are strong words. It's not, I would like to see you. It's not, it would be nice to see you. It is, I long. I have a longing within me. And the longing is to see you. Why? Because when he would see him, he would be refreshed by his life. Why? Because of the presence of the Lord in his life. That's why. He said, I long to see you so that I might be filled with joy. This is the kind of life, moms, mothers, grandmothers, that you're called to live. Or even your children would have this within their breast and say, oh, I just long to see my mom. Because when I see my mom, my mother, I'm just filled with joy. Because of the close relationship you have with the Lord and the ability of your children to receive sustenance through you from Him. May the Lord bless you and guard you and keep you on this very special day.